What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, July 2022, and we have the need for speed today on the show, not just offensive or defense, but starting fast. And we're going to explore some of the challenges and variables that could break either way for the Dolphins in 2020. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about how the Dolphins can start this season fast. This has obviously been a problem for the Dolphins uh, throughout the last couple of seasons. And we're going to talk about the how and the why and the challenges and uh, what variables I like and dislike for Miami to avoid those pitfalls going forward. I want to thank you guys, Dolphins, your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Now, as we get into starting slow, I, I do think it is very important for us to acknowledge uh, some of the shortcomings of the last couple of years, specifically as it pertains to uh, the rebuilding era in general, right? Like 2019, you start 0-7. Yeah, you looked at the roster. You knew it was going to be a bad year. Now, you didn't expect them to go 5-4 and four over the final nine games, but sure enough, they did. The following year, you start 1-3. and three, You finish 9-3. and three. You miss the playoffs by a half a game. And that 1-3 and three start included some tough losses, some games against Seattle and some games against Buffalo that were both winnable football games that ultimately you let get away from you. And then you went into a Week 17 contest in a must-win-and-in situation and couldn't get it done. Then last year happened. And last year was not quite the same vibe, right? You're coming off a 10-win season. You have expectations as a team. You've made some personnel changes to tweak and try and get things ready, and you win week one, and everybody's really excited. Oh, Dolphins, a win in week one. Jeez, it's been a while. Oh, and then you lose seven straight. And don't just lose seven straight. You lose seven straight in a really ugly fashion. And again, you went into a week 17 must-win situation and, and couldn't get it done. And then, of course, you went week 18 and won another football game and had consecutive winning seasons for the first time in a really long time. Like it, th there's a lot of good. There is a lot of good. But when I think about the Dolphins here and now, in 2022, you cannot afford to start the season in a three-game hole in the division. And if you start one and four or two and three, those are the shoes you might find yourselves in. And if you do that, mathematically, the overwhelming odds and probability tell you you're not going to get into the division uh, title race at the end of the year, and you're very much on the fringe of the playoff picture, grand scale of things, after the first month of the season. You have to play more competitive football early in the season, especially when you as the Miami Dolphins, your greatest asset, your greatest advantage of being the Miami Dolphins geographically is the heat that comes with September. That's always been uh, an area that I've, I, I have found myself a little bit more each year. Emphasis on it 
because if because the Dolphins have not taken care of business at home. 2020, they lost to Buffalo at home. They lost to Seattle at home in that one and three start. So Miami this year, obviously you get the home opener week one against New England and you go to Baltimore, right? And you've got Buffalo in this stretch of play. Uh, you've got Cincinnati in this stretch of play. Aside of just the probabilities that are going to come, we've all seen the firsthand ramifications the last two years of digging yourself a hole and then trying to play your way out of it. Now, kudos to the team for being resilient the last two years. And you know, going on the runs that they went on, uh, eight and one over the final nine games last year and nine and three over the last 12 games the year prior. That's awesome. That's outstanding. But it was all for naught in both instances. So how do you avoid finding yourself in a similar situation? And what variables are at play that can and cannot get you there? I think one thing that the Dolphins have at their advantage, and this has been a question I faced a ton of this offseason, uh, is from a personnel standpoint, bringing back as much of the defense as you are, retaining the defensive system that is undoubtedly a part of the picture here. Now, they had the same system in place last year in which they played terribly in the first half of the season. I don't know what the catalyst was. I don't, I don't know what the issues were, the blockades were. You could try to justify it with, well, you let guys like Van Noy and Bobby McCain go and replace them with guys uh, in Javon Holland and, and Jalen Phillips and had some new guys in new places and you needed to dumb it down to start the year. You want to, you want to make that argument? Great. But then that means there's no excuse to not play double birds, FU defense, very aggressive, set the tone, set the pace of play uh, from the jump this year. And if they don't do that, and if they try to play conservative again, and there will be a little bit of a feeling out process to kind of understand what your team is this year versus last year. And it's, every year is a little different, but players make jumps. Some players recede. I don't think the players who are worried about receding in Miami are going to be the, the guys who make or break the defense. The guys who make the jumps should be the guys that allow you to play as aggressive as you want to play. So that's a variable that, that I really, really like uh, for the Dolphins on the defensive side of the ball. And if I were going to point to something on the offensive side of the ball that I'm encouraged by, this is a run-heavy offense, right? So a lot of your timing issues, uh, a lot of the things that traditionally you need to, to get a little bit of time uh, to get on the same page, your, your timing routes, your spot throws, site adjustments. And we're, we're going to talk about them in a little bit because that is a, an area that I do think can be a, a bit of a snag for Miami early in the season. Uh, if you can successfully run the football, you have put yourself in a position where you are constantly playing ahead of the sticks your situational football instances are going to be much more manageable because you're going to be staying out of third and longs at a little bit higher rate, which means you have more plays on the menu, which means you could be a little bit more diverse, which means opposing defenses can't tee off on you as much. And theoretically, you should be able to keep opposing defenses on their heels because you're staying on schedule. Now, that comes back to stop holding, stop busting in pass protection, and stop false starting. And if you can get rid of the procedural stuff offensively, I think the style of offense and how it is engineered to run I was just watching a um, a wide zone clinic from Brian Ferentz. And if you don't know who Brian Ferentz is, he's the son of Kirk Ferentz, 
who's the head coach of the University of Iowa. Brian is the offensive coordinator. He has another title, but he's the offensive coordinator. And he's doing this lecture as it pertains to wide zone offense and that we are expecting to see a lot of wide zone based on McDaniel coming from the Shanahan tree. And the Shanahan tree has had the wide zone as their bread and butter for a really long time. And he talked about your X and Y axis, right? And he says, we have our runs that go straight up the X axis. They are vertical runs and they push up field and you get vertical movement and you run downhill. We don't run any runs on the Y axis that go horizontal completely to the line of scrimmage. Our horizontal runs are at a 45 degree angle. So we operate within 45 degrees. We're either vertical or we're 45 degrees when we're pressing outside zone. And if we block an outside zone run perfectly and they defend it perfectly in a vacuum, that play should get four yards. And I really enjoyed that, that ideology and that, that perspective because I think a lot of times Dolphins fans, you know, we, we've been so um, deprived for good offensive football, right? It's, it's hard to get a, and then you look and you see the highlights across league and teams are scoring points in bunches and left and right and explosive plays. And we, we don't really have that, right? We haven't had that for with any level of consistency for a really long time. So our gauge of offensive football is hard. It's hard to keep it honest if you just watch the Dolphins religiously and, and you're not a football junkie who is like me, some sick puppy who's on vacation this week doing my podcast and watching offensive line clinics, right? Like it, it's, it's hard to keep it on perspective. But for Brian Ferentz to come on and say, if we block it perfect and they defend it perfectly, our expectation is it's going to get four yards. Four plus four is what? Not a math guy, but that's eight, which means you're in third and two if you run it twice and you block it perfect. Will you always block it perfect? No. Will they always defend it perfect? No. So you'll get more. So that's an area for Miami, I think, offensively, if you embrace the run game, and I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the personnel matchups here in just a second, I think it can really play uh, into your hand uh, as far as what you're what you're able to do. But before we go any further, got to talk to you about our friends over at Dave. Hindsight's 2020. And if you can't change the past, but what if you could get a little help from your future self? Maybe you'd like to borrow a little bit of cash. Now you can with our friends over at Dave. Dave is a banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, or catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. Download the Dave app from the App Store now. That's D-A-V. Sign up for extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. Future you will thank you. So another area that, that I like is when you look at the personnel matchups that exist here. Um, I, I think there's a lot of areas for Miami to try to have and exploit matchups uh, in the first couple of weeks. Obviously, you have New England week one. You have Baltimore week two. 
Those two are big ones. I look at, and what I don't see when I look at this team, is collective team speed. And I think that is a huge advantage for Miami. Now, New England showcased against the Rams in the Super Bowl that year uh, when they have played these Shanahan-style offenses. They get into certain personnel groupings to combat the wide zone. And I think New England can certainly do that. But if you look at what they have in its entirety, and if they're going to put a bunch of guys on the line of scrimmage, right? Because that's that's how you combat the the wide zone and how they successfully did is they very much crowded the line of scrimmage and they they took away your angles. Um, so you you got to have counter punches off of that. And you got to have some gap runs off of that. Block down and pull a guy around and kick out. And then you got to charge somebody who's scraping over the top when he's walked up in the line of scrimmage. It's really messy, right? Uh, so you got to have counter punches for when you get those personnel groupings that Bill Belichick kind of put on the map. And then when Miami played the Rams at home and to his first start, you saw them copy and Xerox a lot of that game plan and put it in place. And the Rams got yards, but they got garbage time yards, right? So, and, and Miami won the football game. So, I think the speed advantage that Miami has and the fact that they have some versatility in their offensive backfield plays well for week one against New England, plus the speed on the outside. Like they lost JC Jackson. Uh, they are putting a lot of their eggs in their basket with some older guys in the secondary for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Um, their linebacking core is a little bit more athletic, but it's also very unproven. Like they brought in Mac Wilson via trade um, as somebody who can run but it's not been somebody who, from a processing perspective, has been particularly uh, effective. Juwan Bentley is a big-bodied linebacker. I don't think he's super rangy. So if you're going to run outside, and their defensive line is traditionally a bunch of heavy, heavy-handed gap-control guys who, who don't have a lot of explosiveness, in, in, especially in lateral situations. They're a little bit more straight ahead with what they, what they offer traditionally. And I look at that roster, and I see the same thing this year. So you're banging on a lot of safety play in the run game to neutralize what Miami has, and then you got to be able to tackle the skilled players in space when you've got a lot of inexperience because your two most twitched players in the secondary are rookies, undersized rookies who were day two picks, and then you got a bunch of older guys in McCourty, um, the, uh, Butler. They just brought back Malcolm Butler. I like some of these matchups. It's a good opportunity to, again, start fast and potentially challenge New England get a win. And then, obviously, you go to Week 2 against Baltimore. And I won't go all the way down the list and do the first five weeks of the season, but you, you put Baltimore in there, and we saw what the defense did to Lamar Jackson last year. Now, remember, Hollywood Brown is no longer on the roster. Now, they got more tight ends. They're probably going to run a little bit more heavy at you. But the challenge that was there for Baltimore was they diagnosed pretty quickly Miami was going to zero blitz you and they were going to be plus one on the line of scrimmage. And it was an execution standpoint, the Ravens' inability to come up with answers to counterpunch. The same thing I was just talking about with what the, the Patriots have successfully done to wide zone teams. And I think Miami has enough versatility to have counterpunches. But Baltimore, like, yeah, you're going to get back Ronnie Stanley and yeah you're going to get back JK Dobbins but how did those guys give you a counterpunch 
to zero pressure, and especially when you you don't have a lot of established guys to to run routes outside. I think you have some favorable matchups in each of those first two weeks that I'm very optimistic for that Miami can handle. They can put you in position to win some football games. And if you win a couple of football games in the first month of the season, now you're in a position to start fast. The need for speed, not just offensively or defensively, but have the need for speed. So I like some of those variables. Now, if you were to ask me my number one primary area of concern beyond just the, the difficulty of the schedule, right? Because the Dolphins' schedule is um, tough. I think it's probably one way to put it. But I would also point to and reference the, the nature of the passing game that does exist. Where let, Let's say you do struggle to win the point of attack and you don't necessarily have the communication down the way that you need to and you can't stay on schedule with those runs the way that we were talking about earlier in the show. What you can then find for yourself is... And I go back to the throw that Tua made to Ezekanma across the middle that Keon Crossin put on his Instagram account. Everybody was in this big debate on whether or not this was a good throw, a bad throw, it was an incomplete pass, blah, 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 blah. The Shanahan offense, there's a lot of side adjustments for your routes based on the leverage of the coverage and what kind of coverage shell that they are playing. So if you need a quarterback, all his wide receivers, to be successfully and consistently not just reading and diagnosing the coverage shell pre-snap versus post-snap and confirming your post-snap picture, but then also being on the same page on what the adjustments are for the landmarks of the routes. That's an area where I think you could have some timing early in the season until you continue to that can be a barrier for success. And from a, there, there's no question from a skill perspective Miami has what it takes to hit the ground running. There's no question from a talent perspective, this is one of the most talented Miami Dolphins rosters we've had in quite some time. There's no question. But if you are going to run a timing-based offense and your timing is off early because guys do not have the immediate recall to understand I'm supposed to run this route, but if the corner sits... I got to push to here and then make sure I take X amount of yards more or less in my route, or I got to break earlier. I got to come out flatter at the top of the route to break it harder. If I get a corner that's up over top of me at depth, there's a lot of variables in real time processing. So that's the, that's the number one barrier for success for me to start the year. Uh, you look at the first five weeks, right? Uh, before you come home for the, the two-game homestand against Min Minnesota and Pittsburgh. You have New England at home, Baltimore, Buffalo at home, at Cincinnati, short week on Thursday night, and then the Jets in New York. Two and three is especially, let's do the first four games, right? Because obviously the Dolphins have had a lot of success against the Jets. And the Jets are going to be a better football team this year. And I don't think they're going to be a cakewalk. And I don't think we should sleep on them lightly, as annoying as their fans are. <laughs> but the first four games, if you start one and three, you're in a tough spot. And that is my number one concern, is the severity of the strength of schedule. 
Baltimore in Baltimore, Cincinnati in Cincinnati, and Buffalo. I think you got a better roster than New England and you're at home. You have a better roster than the Jets, and you've had a lot of success historically against the Jets. And you have extra rest to prep for that because the game before is a Thursday game. you got to win. You can't go 0-3. Baltimore, Buffalo, Cincinnati. Now, if we get two wins out of that three, or if we get three wins out of that three, I'm going to be one miserable SOB on the timeline because I'm going to be feeling the Miami Dolphins. But let's set expectations. You get a home game against New England. You, sh- you should expect to win that football game. You should expect to win every game that you play when, when you're at this point with your almost every game that you play. I still look at Buffalo, and I'm, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt until they show that they can do it. And I know I've said that consistently. But that three-game stretch for me, from the 18th to the 29th, that 11, 12-day stretch of time, I think is going to be very defining for the bigger picture of the Dolphins' season. No pressure, right? But um, you get some favorable matchups throughout that second and third block of time. I'll also say this. Uh, I've done the roster assessment uh, on the Green Bay Packers. And I, I did that last week for the draftnetwork.com. And, and it's a, you you study the film of the team from last year. You evaluate the players that are there. You give, give them a grading in the same way that we did on this podcast uh, a couple months back as far as roster cornerstones, quality starters, adequate starters, rookies, replacement level players, practice squad caliber players, non-NFL roster caliber players, uh, quality depth. Like there's all these buckets that you can put these guys in. So we're doing this at the draft network for all 32 teams. And I did it with Miami and we went through that whole exercise here on the show. Well, I did it for Green Bay. You're at home on a holiday Against Green Bay, I don't care who the quarterback is. I look at the rest of the roster. Miami has stark advantages against that rest of that roster. You should have the expectation to win that game, too. It's at home. Um, so I'm a, I'm a little less daunted by the back quarter of the schedule, which makes the ability to start fast all that much more important for Miami. We'll see if they can do it. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of Locked On Dolphins. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it, we live it. Fins up, make it a great Wednesday, and I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.